I'm Dorianne Wheel. Welcome to Thrive with Dr. D. So, hello everybody and welcome to Thrive with Dr. D. What a week this has been. I think that David Shapiro, who's our guest today, will probably tell us that there's been a drop in Netflix shares because everybody was watching something else. It was horror, it was drama, it was a thriller, it was a comedy, it was a farce, it was about good guys and bad guys, whichever side you were on. But whatever it was for you, it was actually quite riveting and compelling. Watching the events unfold, the nail-biting events as we were on that kind of roller coaster with the American election. And for all of us, of course, it's extremely, extremely important. What happens over there affects all of us. And David Shapiro, who is an absolute household name in South Africa and who comments all the time, particularly on matters financial. But David, you look into the context of things. It's impossible to comment only on the financial without looking at it holistically and contextually. So that was why whenever it comes to major transitions, things that are happening and not remaining the same or world events like this, it's an absolute honor and a privilege to invite you to come on to Thrive and get your perspectives about what's happening globally and internationally, and most particularly how all of this is going to play out with us. It's been quite a week. Sorry, first of all, I think when you say play out with us, if you're thinking about South Africa, naturally the election of Biden is a very positive move. And one of the reasons is I think globally it's been celebrated simply that I think Biden will be a lot more predictable He's a lot more conventional, and he's also more pragmatic. So as the mayor of Paris said, you know, welcome back America. In other words, there's a view that you're going to welcome back America to the world stage in many respects, financially, and I'll go into that, why financially, but also I think politically. At least we'll be getting people around the table once more to talk to each other rather than, you know, at each other and the shouting, which kind of characterized what Trump was all about. You know, no one could quite grasp it. In fact, the four years have been absolutely exhausting because you have no idea what's going to happen the next day. You know, you'd wait for the overnight tweet or tweets, and uh, they were disruptive, disruptive in a way that could create, you know, huge volatility in the market. So I think Overall, one of the reasons we're having such good markets at the moment is just relief, you know, relief that things can get back to uh, normality, you know, that we can start to have a normal life where America was the leader and where we had issues, there'd be somebody trying to solve them rather than uh, the way that America is going. So I think very broadly that encapsulates what this election is about and uh, where we are. There are other issues as well, of course. And I just say something about what you have just said, because to me, the biggest springboard of the mental health pandemic that I witness now, as well as the health pandemic, is to do with two things. One is lack of control, and even more so is lack of certainty. So the idea of needing some sort of predictability and certainty day to day and in terms of leadership, 
I think has become absolutely paramount now in the face of the pandemic that we're living through, even more than usual. Somebody put it so well to me, Dave. They said, you know, we people say that they don't know what the future looks like. I say I don't even know when the future is. There's that kind of uncertainty going on, you know, with, with just huge losses. So the um, this, the embracing of something that maybe certain people see as may not perhaps not in terms of strength or in terms of definition or, you know, some of the other criticism that I level against Biden, the idea of sure, the relief that we're talking about, that we'll wake up tomorrow without a huge another kick in the gut you know, that we were getting overnight becomes very, very important. You're absolutely right. And I think my criticism over the last seven months has been the lack of global leadership in which you believe that America would take the lead. So there was no, there was no um, policy. Everybody was on their own. Let me put it that way. We were all on our own. Householders decided where they wanted to go. Suburbs decided. Cities decided provinces and so on. There was no world leadership of how to deal with not only the uh, pandemic within the country, but also without. What travel arrangements should we introduce? How should we handle all of these? So, you know, we can go on forever, but all I'm trying to get at is that Trump never, he was one person who just allowed it to develop. He wanted to bring the economy back uh, without, you know, without social distances. He said, Fundamentally, he was saying, Listen, I don't care what happens. You know, people would have popped over dead in any case. We would have got it. You know, that crass and crude attitude, which has now proved wrong in the second wave. And the UK was the same kind of thing. Europe was premature. You know, they heard it. They thought they were on top of it. They were premature. So I think I'd like to move forward and saying with the news of the vaccine, which is proving 90% effective, you know, from Pfizer, and I mean, this is a big breakthrough. It's going to take a number of months to get it uh, distributed worldwide. And it will be doing that. Dory, this is the beginning of the end. And that's the positive news. You know, we're starting to come to the end. We knew it would end somewhere. But I think this is why the markets are celebrating. This is why people are feeling a lot more positive. And is that with a vaccine, once we know we're on that road, uh, to some kind of cure, and it's proving that way, we can start looking for that future you're looking for. The whole thing is, what's that future going to look like? Yeah. So I'd like to talk to you about what you think it's going to look like. You say okay. that this is the beginning of the end. You're talking about the end in sight of the pandemic. We can also say it's the beginning of a new beginning. You know, there is some new renewed light now mm-hmm. at the end of the tunnel with just this, and together with that, the fact that we all, I think last time we said all over the world, but particularly in South Africa, we're not all in the same boat in many ways, but we are all in the same storm. There are very many different and diverse circumstances, but I think there is collective hope, and I think that there is collective relief and an emotional strength, an event, such a feeling like that. Is very unifying. You know, I think nothing brings people together more than a shared emotional event or this collective, I mean, if you go throughout our history, we've seen it in so many transitions. 
but you were, we were referring to what was going on the last time you spoke. And we were talking particularly about losses or potential losses, losses of money, losses of jobs, the breaking down of businesses. I'd love to know, because your, your, your area is everything, Dave, but most particularly focusing on how businesses are surviving and how they're going to emerge. What this economy that you talk about in America is going to look like and how it reflects here. Happy for you to say that the markets actually are holding their own and, and you refer to them as being fairly strong. Okay. What we have to understand is that governments took our income away. They took our livelihoods away. So they took away money from the consumer in order to lock down, and they took money away from businesses. So there's an obligation on their part to make that good, to make sure that consumers get their money back and businesses are funded. So expect big packages to continue until the economy gets back on its feet. And it's not a matter of whether they'll do it. It's just a matter of the size that they do it. The UK has introduced another one, is, is up the amount that they're going to push into their economy. We're going to get a big one from the ECB, which is the European Union. And America is deciding, is it going to be 500 billion? Is it going to be 2 trillion? That's a debate between the various parties. So understand, governments will continue to push money in until such times the economies are able to uh, get back on their feet again and, and, and see normal growth. So give that as a, uh, as a, you know, that's a given. That's going to happen. Of course, that's great for stock markets. What it does do as well is it keeps interest rates at rock bottom levels for a long, long time, which has its own consequences. You know, I'm an equity man. I like to buy shares. I like to buy companies. So we're going to see very strong stock market. From South Africa's point of view, we were in this already before this hit us. And, uh, and that makes our position uh, a lot worse uh, than other countries. We were already losing growth and we have been, you know, we, we, we haven't had momentum. So I think it's in our favor that we get back to normal as soon as possible. And of course, for governments to introduce policies, which everybody's asking them to do that's going to enable this country to grow. You know, it's, it's a difficult, difficult situation. But from America's point of view, I think from next year, if, the, if we find that vaccine, we will see a sharp turnaround happening. Dory, the big thing we've got to discuss is, okay, that's going to happen, but what's going to stay with us? What's going to vanish? In other words, uh, those are the big issues. You know, will the companies that, that got us through this pandemic, that changed the way we live, will they continue to thrive? You mentioned, you know, Netflix, Zoom, uh, Uber Eats, uh, businesses like that, e-commerce companies, Amazon and that. They got us through this pandemic. If it wasn't for them, we would never have survived the way that we have. So the big question is, will they still dominate? And also, what other permanent changes are we aligned, are we likely to see happen? And that's a big question. There are lots. I'm going to give you some clues, but uh, I'll let you talk first. Yes, I would love some clues about what you think. So just to take a little sort of hiccup in that, 
and ask you personally, maybe um, as a reflection of many people, but what do you think have been the main losses and what have been the gains? What is the loss over this okay. time and what are the gains? Because once you say what we've gained, you might be able to say what we hope we keep or what we hope can be sustainable. Yeah, we're going into your territory. <laughs> Not mine. Okay. But, okay. We can share. We can share. <laughs> well, I can tell you from a financial point of view, and I can give you my views. But I think what we've lost is um, I was, you know, I was talking to my wife. I was talking to Linda, and I was saying to her, you know, I feel or I understand when men went to war and they left their wives and girlfriends for a year or two and came back and tried to reestablish life, it was very difficult. And that's my biggest fear, is that we've kind of lost those relationships. We've lost you know, understanding what it's like working in an office, the networking that used to take place. The, just that, that lifestyle, I think, is going, to take, is going to have some permanent effect. You, know, you, you understand children more than I do. You know. How has that affected them? Those are where the big losses have been. It's the emotional side on the children. I don't want to go into that because I think I'm, I'm not going to comment on it. I mean, I'm not going to address it other than comment. Those are the losses. But what's, think of what's happened. And this is what I find fascinating is, are we going to go back to the office? The answer is a resounding no. Unlikely, yeah. Or in a very small way. In a more measured way, in other words, we get our, our offices are going to shrink. People are very comfortable working from home, particularly those in an administrative area. You know, those people who just go process paper and then they, they travel an hour or two to work and then process some paper and do the reverse. They're very happy not to come. It's been a huge saving for them. So those are going to be the savings. From my point of view, I like to meet clients you know, face-to-face. -face. But what happens as well is that a lot of people are going to choose to work from home. They get getting through a lot. Now, that means we change our homes. We need bigger homes. Mm. <laughs> Children as well, we're going to education. They need more room. So your little New York apartment is not going to suffice because uh, you're going to need a much bigger area. And of course, you can't afford it in New York. So you go out to the suburbs and you buy a bigger home. Okay, once you make the move out, that changes everything because you're now working from home. You need better equipment. You know, you can't use the same kind of laptop. And so we go. Yeah. The other thing is you're moving away from your gym. So you set up a gym at home. You go onto Peloton, which has got live classes. You don't have to dress as smartly as you used to do. So what do you do? You go into at leisure, different kinds of clothing requirements. So those are going to be the areas that we you know, are going to be addressed. Also, staying at home, you've got more time to educate yourself, to improve yourself. So I think trying to sum it up in a very short time, uh, those are going to be the issues. And here's another one. You're going to want to pet because you're at home and you want someone to cuddle or someone who's going to be loyal. Pets are going to go up. In fact, you can't find pets in most of the big cities. So I think, you know, just to give you a taste of what's, what I think are going to be very permanent changes in our lifestyles, uh, maybe for, I don't know how long it will take to reverse again, but I think those are going to be the permanent changes that we do see coming out of this lockdown. 
Sure, David, you are, you know, you are, what can I say, a visionary futurist, a financial visionary futurist. You know, it's this whole domino knock-on effect. You know, if it's this, then it's going to be this, then it's going to be this, then it's going to be this. And one has to absolutely imagine that. You said some of this is in the space that I'm in quite a lot. You know, you also see, you wonder here where the recovery will be in a way that you've kind of predicted, has it gone too far? These packages that you're talking about internationally, the Europe and America, can we afford to do that here? We could hardly afford to do it anyway. So in terms of recognizing our obligations to the people, they might be recognized, but practically, is it going to be possible to actually do it not only thrive at the other end, but survive through the journey. So that was one question, South Africa. Also on the other side, which we're not really here to talk about, I love what you're saying and just sort of playing it forward like that and playing it forward. You know, this sort of um, lack of connection has had a very detrimental effect as well. People have enjoyed the working from home, but that you alluded to some of the kind of awkwardness of reconnection then um, is is coming into it. And in terms of relationships, you know, we say for better, for worse, but not for lunch. I mean, that's that's been a thing. There's statistics in the world, certain parts of the world, that show that the divorce rate has increased. We know in our country the emergence of gender-based violence that spills out when people feel trapped and they cannot connect, you know, in ways not to say there's ever an excuse. I'm just talking about an explanation sometimes, but no excuse for these kind of things. So I think that what you're saying is in the transition, they're going to be social, emotional, psychological, and certainly financial challenges of readjustment, keeping what was good, And in terms of what you were saying, that sense of gratitude of a different kind of priority shift. So I ask people, you know, what they talk, you talk about audit companies. People talk to you about that. They talk to me about self-audit. Where have I been? Where am I going? How do I want to spend my energy from now on? Do I really want to be in this rat race? What's important to me? Jeez, I've recognized the priority of connection of my family. And, um, of time, of lack of control, the fact that the rug can be pulled out from under you in a way that I never expected in a heartbeat. I have to recognize that the future is now. It's not always one day when anymore. If I'm going to make some of those changes, some of them have to happen. So all of that that you've been talking about, the immediacy of it is absolutely playing out. And and in South Africa, where we might not, this is what I want to ask you, will people be getting the obligatory assistance from government? No. No, the the short answer is no. I don't think government has got the money to do it. I think if you're in South Africa, we've we've got to become creative. You know, uh, using all the emotions that you expressed, this self-evaluation, I think... I think it's got to be driven by the private sector and we've got to learn to become and drive, um, you know, drive the economy along. I noticed something and I have to share this because there's a 
big possibility. We can do it. The only thing that's holding us back is actually the government itself. I went to Santon City and I was sitting there on Sunday morning just looking at the businesses. I mean, the Santon City is world class. And Dory, you travel a lot. You know, if you go to malls, I mean, it's, it, it stands alone. It's really a beautiful, beautiful shopping center. And I looked around there and there are a whole lot of international businesses. And they're all, re, they're all run by South Africans, black South Africans. There are no whites around anymore. They're all run. And what I like about it, and I don't want to go into racialistic area at all. What I'm trying to say is a positive thing. They've learned from their bosses. In other words, why are they running those businesses so well? Because these international companies, whether it's Nike, whether it's Pandora, whether it's whatever it is, whether it's a restaurant group, they have used their training methods to train staff, regardless of color. It doesn't matter. And that makes the success of these private businesses. So if you look at our private enterprise, our private business, they're doing fine. Where we haven't transformed, where we're not using that model, is in government and in government departments. And that's where we're falling flat, in ESCO, in home affairs, et cetera, where you need that mentorship. You need that training of teaching people how to, how to operate. You know, every time I have a, a tire problem, et cetera, I go to uh, Tiger Wheels. And believe me, in two seconds, I'm out. Why? Because staff know how to treat you. They know how to treat customer. And we've got to get that same kind of attitude into government. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't want to spend three days getting a driver's license. You don't want to, when your electricity goes down, you don't want to get frustrated phoning city power. So if we can transform what the private sector has done to government, we've got a chance. But government have got to open their, you know, got to open their arms to that or open their hearts and heads to that kind of thing. So, Dave, it sounds like there's a business opportunity on the horizon. We would love to do it. I, you know, I just, I just, I was so excited, you know, just sitting there and I looked and I said, you know, this is such a wonderful place. So I, I, all I'm saying is that if we adopted the right attitudes and put our minds to changing the institutions, government institutions, to basically do what the private sector has done, you're going to get that growth. You're going to save money. You're going to get better allocation of capital. We just got to do that. Well, I think that we definitely should send this message to where it needs to be received. Thank you very much for reminding us of the importance of it. And in reminding us of the importance of it, it's also generating hope. I haven't heard you say once, you know, look, this has knocked us out. I haven't heard you say once that we're not going to recover. I've heard you say that we're on a road and it's difficult. And I think that I've heard you say that in lots of ways, especially with what's just happened this week, and a feeling of inclusivity and connection and predictability, that, you know, that there is definitely lights at the end of the tunnel that aren't always the lights of an oncoming train. And I think it's giving us and giving that, everybody that kind of boost and hope and wanting to work together, particularly because of the vaccine on the horizon. So it's a challenge, but it's good news. Oh, no, listen, 2021 is going to be a great year. <laughs> it's going to be a good year. 
So, and if after all of this, and I think that it's probably a bit of a rhetorical question for most, but I mean, your point of entry is often to do with reading markets, well, is, not often, reading markets globally and internationally. Can you end off by saying, should you be in the market if you possibly can? And you've, you and, and what are your top tips? For us, Dave. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, you know, I'm 100% equities. That's all I buy. And why? Because of very much the example that I was trying to illustrate is that there are so many good global business leaders. We've got good global, we've got good leaders in South Africa, business-wise. I'm not, I'm not challenging them. I'm not, you know, we have, but I love international businesses. I love tech and I love to see, okay, what will dominate global, what will dominate the world uh, or the world economy three, four, five years down the line? And there are so many wonderful businesses. That's why I'm, 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 you know, I love tech. I love technology and I love what you're seeing in many areas, not only in the uh, entertainment field, not only in the medical field, uh, social media, whatever it is, but in so many other areas as well. And there's so much happening in it. And, and I enjoy those companies and that's where I choose to put clients' money in, in, in businesses, you know, and we can rattle them off. And I think what we did see with the dominance of these businesses during this particularly hard period, they're going to continue to dominate. You know, they're going to con- we're going to continue to see more and more opportunities, certainly in the next four, five, six years ahead. Well, you heard it here. Continue to invest in tech and in other businesses that have come to the fore and that are definitely going to continue and be sustainable. You heard it from David Shapiro from Sassman. Thank you very much. We're going to get you back here, Dave, in a little while to see how this is all played out. But thank you very much, not only for the information, but for the inspiration and the hope and the connection has been really important for us and for our listeners. David Shapiro, thank you so much. You've been listening to Thrive with Dr. D. I'm Dorianne Wheel. Thanks for listening to Thrive with Dr. D, a jackpot podcast.